Welcome back to Cover in Glory, where we are excited and relieved to actually have Boxing Day games to discuss. After the chaos of last week forced us into a video-only format, we are back to potting, a format for which I am more aesthetically suited. From with me, as always, is the gift under my tree, Brett Coromina. Say hi, Brett. What's up, everybody? Yeah, I definitely feel like in general, we're both way more suited for a medium that doesn't have video. <laughs> yeah, well, wait till they actually check the breakout videos and they get a load of my get up. You know, like when I go every single year onto eBay and I try to buy the most ridiculous Christmas thing I can, yet I still never buy the Chelsea's um, Christmas sweater that they sell on their official store. That's how you know how trash those things are. I'm sorry to start off with like the controversial opinion, but I'm not into the Christmas sweaters. Are you? I know I've never been a Christmas sweater guy. I mean, I'm, I'm, at the, I'm for the general Christmas sweater. I'm here. Like, look at me. I'm wearing a velour tracksuit for God's sakes. But the uh, the Chelsea <laughs> ones and you know the team ones, they just never did it for me. I guess to each their that own. That one isn't even really that ridiculous. I mean, I know I, I love how we're having a discussion about your shirt on a podcast right now, but <laughs> that one doesn't even look that ridiculous. I feel like you need to be bolder here. Oh my gosh! All right, well, wait till people see the breakout video. If they think I need to be bolder, bolder I shall be next year. Uh, so in the meantime, after a wild week in which it seemed like on Monday, it was a distinct possibility we wouldn't have any more games this month. The Premier League has decided to plow ahead, letting most of the traditional boxing game games move forward. Uh, for those of you who are fairly new to our beautiful obsession, Boxing Day is a huge deal in English soccer, with almost all teams at every level of England competing and families pouring into stadiums to support their favorite clubs. Uh, closest we have in America is probably Thanksgiving for the NFL or Christmas for the NBA, but even then, most of the league has the day off. It's not like you know every team and every level, minors on up, is uh, is playing on that day. So it's a really special tradition. I won't weigh in on whether they should have kept it or not, but as long as it's happening, I'm certainly going to enjoy it. Uh, Brett, do you have any kind of Boxing Day thoughts or memories before we get into the games? Not really, man. I, I'm an Everton supporter. What memories do I really have? Like Tim Cahill scoring a goal and punching the corner flag. That's that's pretty much like the peak of existence for an Everton fan. Oh my gosh, so bleak. Yeah, welcome I know to the, it is. It's welcome so to the sad. festive season of giving and hope. And then you have Brett I'm trying the, to talk about I'm the soccer. I'm the soccer Grinch. <laughs> All right, Grinch. Well, you're also on a huge heater in your pick, so we'll cover that much later when we do our recap, and you can do some serious bragging. But I implore all of you to take his pick seriously because the man is on fire right now. Uh, let's start and see if you can remain on fire at Tottenham and Crystal Palace. Taking, uh, we're Sorry, it's kicking off at 10 a.m. on Boxing Day. Tottenham is 7th with 26 points. Crystal Palace is 11th with 20 points. Tottenham is minus 135. The draw is plus 285. Crystal Palace is plus 390. Tottenham minus half a goal. They remain minus 135, whereas Crystal Palace is plus 115. So, Brett, it won't surprise you at all that during this most holiest of holidays, my attention will firmly be on our Lord and Savior, Connor Gallagher. After his unbelievable <laughs> match-winning performance against your beloved Everton, you texted me that you look forward to me trying to adopt him as my large adult son. That is such <laughs> an offensive notion. One does not adopt Conor Gallagher. You simply accept him into your heart and let him fill your spirit with poetry and love. 
There's zero chance. You're the, zero you're the chance. Jim Jones of the Connor Gallagher fan club. There is a zero chance Jim Jones is betting against him on Boxing Day. <laughs> um, Tottenham keeps getting games wiped off the schedule, so we know less about this Conte team than we probably should. But from what I've seen, I expect lots and lots of close games. And if I could get plus money on Palace getting at least a draw, I'm going to take it. Uh, but I'll admit it, I'm blind on the game because I made the mistake of looking directly at Connor, and now I can't see it all. <laughs> Uh, oh man i it's just you leave me speechless sometimes man it's a pot it's really fucked um no i mean actually that the draw plus 285 is where i thought i saw the best value too um you know you nailed it kind of in the middle of your connor gallagher praise um we don't know much about this conte ever or a tottenham team yet like we you know, he's only been around for a few years. He's been ravaged by COVID. Um, obviously, he went public about how ridiculous it was that you know, they had to play. They had to forfeit their UEFA Europa League match. Um, so it's been a mess. Like, so we, but we really don't know. I mean, we know it's going to be generally better because it's Conte, but we don't know a whole lot about the team itself. Um, and Palace is, is good. They're, <laughs> the crazy part is, Palace has the fourth best expected goal differential per 90, and it's not all because of Connor Gallagher um, in the Premier League, fourth best. Um, so, you know, there's the top three teams and then there's Crystal Palace, which I'm sure is shocking to many. Um, and it is just underlying numbers, but they're they're a solid team. Um, it's been a combination of things that kind of weeded out some of their poor performing players from last year. They've had good signings, Gallagher being one of them. Um, but, you know, their center backs have been improved. If you know, add a couple of attackers um, and Eduardo, who's he's been okay, but it's given him some depth. Um, and you know, Vieira switched to like a three-three. They've been a little bit more aggressive pressing, so they're they're solid. Like this isn't a team that you know. Last year, if Conte was managing Spurs and they went to Palace against Roy Hodgson, I would expect uh, Spurs to kick the shit out of Palace. This Palace team is going to put up a fight. You know, whether it's zero zero or one one, I just think the draw is a good place to be. All and right, I'm guessing that your prop bet. Is going to involve what's his name again? Fuck, I forgot. Oh, Connor Gallagher. <laughs> oh, blasphemy! You said his name in brain. Uh, yes, <laughs> it does. In fact, involve Mr. Gallagher. I said last week well, on yeah. our, our video only that I really don't like betting player props right now because you know, as we keep saying, people can get Thanos snapped at any point in time between when we record <laughs> and when they actually take the field. But uh, Connor Gallagher minus one fifteen shot on target is just too tasty for me to ignore, especially coming off that Everton game. He clearly has uh, a top top flight attacking mindset. He's finding himself in pockets of spaces. He's getting in the box. He's hitting them from outside the box, and I love him getting at least one on frame over the ninety on Boxing Day. I'm very I'm just shocked. This is again podcast medium, but this is my shock face right now at that uh, one. Well, with all uh, my with all my winnings, I'll buy you a new face, which with uh, you can wait, no longer went, be shocked. Who who nailed those bets last week? Oh was my it you? It was this not, guy across the way here. It was the sad thing is, is I actually did nail my bets last week. I just didn't nail them to the extent you did, which was incredible. <laughs> so all right, give us give us the nail another one for us right now, Brett. All right. Well, this time I'm going to go with Harry Kane. Uh, plus 105, anytime goal scorer. Um, you know, he takes pens for Spurs. This does seem, you know, I think we talked a little bit about, you know, pens kind of being a one in five chance in any given match. This does feel like a, a COVID craziness, Boxing Day, December Premier League thing where crazy shit just happens. And one of those crazy things could be handball in the box, 
you know, guy going in for a tackle because he's played 465 times in the last three weeks and he's tired and rushes a challenge, gives away a pen. Um, you know, Kane is <clears throat> Kane has taken 18 shots since uh, in the five matches that Conte has taken over. That's well above a season average. Um, he's taking him from good locations. Plus, you get the penalty boost if they do drop penalty. Kane will take it. So at plus 105, I think you got a little bit of value there. So it's not a caliber bet, but it is a prop bet. And that's where I think the uh, value is there. Yeah. Well, kind of on our, our emergency video uh, edition last week, we did talk about the kind of bets that we're seeing more of or we plan on making more of during this COVID, COVID-y stretch. Uh, things like yellow cards, things like penalties, things like goals off set pieces and headers and uh, with a lot more width coming in, crosses in the box. And yeah, a lot more, a lot more cards and corners, like things that just stem from people playing low blocks, trying to survive uh, units that aren't used to playing with each other, whether it be attacking or defensive, just a lot more chaotic football. And the, what falls out of the funnel, if you start with chaos is things like penalties, cards, corners, set pieces, uh, et cetera, and so forth. So I'm heavy on those today. I think it sounds like you're probably going to be a little bit heavy on those as well today. And Mm -hmm. if people didn't see our video last week, just wanted to recap why. Uh, so speaking of crazy shit, let's talk about Man City Leicester, where I am going to make a very dumb pick. Uh, Man City oh. is first in the table at 44 points. Leicester is ninth at 22 points. This is also going off at 10 a.m. on Boxing Day. Man City is minus 525 to win. The draw is plus 700. Leicester is plus 1200. Man City is minus 1.5 goals on the spread is minus 185. And Leicester is plus 160. So two weeks uh, have passed since Leicester have last last played a match in the Premier League. Uh, So they're not quite as fatigued as Man City, who have to be worn out by the path of destruction they are currently on. (laughs) To quote the movie Dogma, mass genocide is the most exhausting activity one can engage in next to soccer. And Man City has recently been doing both. And this incredibly weird boxing day, uh, I'm going with something weird to happen. I know it's against trend. But I am going to take Lester to keep it close. I think uh, Brendan Rodgers is crazy enough to think that he can play in this game. I think it's actually going to be a fairly open game. I think it's probably going to be the most entertaining game of the entire day. And I'm going to bet on Lester. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm going to go with Lester on the spread to keep it within two goals. So uh, you, for that, you get plus 160 for them to lose by one or less. How about you? Actually, yeah. you know what? Before, before you get to your pick. Because I don't even want to hear it because you're already going to tell me how dumb I am. Manchester City is a juggernaut. And I just went on the other side. And that was really stupid. I know it. But um, I did want to talk about something else with you related to Man City. When we're talking about trends, you know, they're clearly the hottest team in the league. And maybe the world, for that matter, peaking with that 7-0 thrashing of Leeds. But I just watched Chelsea play Leeds right before them. And they actually had a higher XG in the game uh, versus Leeds than Manchester City did when they bagged seven. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about XG. Is Man City just so good that they convert worse chances at an outlandish rate? Or is there some squishiness in the statistic? Yeah, I mean, it, definitely with any number, um, you know, it's it's a great thought because like with any number, there's always going to be context to it, right? And single game XG is always itself like a little bit misleading. Um, XG is kind of like an aggregate stat where you really want to rely on it after like a chunk of games to kind of see general like team strength. But uh, with any number there, you know, XG is kind of a pure finishing stat. And yeah, skill does come into play. So we talked about how Messi's kind of like 
the test for a lot of metrics. You know, Messi has outperformed XG by, you know, I think like 25 or something goals over the course of his career. And, you know, that it's clearly because Messi is an amazing finisher. Um, one of the Spurs, Sung Young Min, has also consistently outperformed XG. So that's where you look at those guys when they do it like four or five years in a row and they're constantly beating their XG totals. That's where you start going, okay, like this isn't going to be totally indicative of their uh, future performance because they're they're constantly beating this model. That they, there is a skill element to this. I don't know with City necessarily. They have individual players. I mean, I think Phil Foden is like one of the best players in the world, but there are definitely guys that can cheat it in both directions, whether that's um, good, good finishers that consistently outperform their underlying numbers or bad finishers. Christian Benteke has been kind of like the goat for that one for uh, a while. Um, they consistently underperform those totals too, because they just aren't great finishers, or maybe we just haven't seen the data play out long enough. Um, but with single game stuff, it's definitely fluky. It's definitely crazy, especially when you start bringing set pieces in. Those typically always perform their shot values. Um, I'm sure there's going to be studies coming out in years in the future telling us why that's the case. As of right now, I don't think we have a firm answer. Um, but yeah, it's a weird number. But it, it, you know, any with any piece of data, it always comes with context. But it doesn't necessarily mean that your Chelsea team is garbage um, and the city is just you know empirically better finishers across the board. It's a kind of a one fluke thing, but there definitely are some skill on stuff that you ha- do have to look at when you look at that type of data. Yeah. Well, if Timo transferred over to Manchester City, I think we'd see it level out because that man cannot finish at all unless he's offsides. <laughs> uh, all right. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for letting us know on the XG because that is something I just I couldn't wrap my head around it. Kind of studying the statistics over the last few weeks, and as usual, you hit the nose right on the head. Um, can you tell us what you think about this this Manchester City game this week? I definitely think. And I'm just going to go with the corny joke. You have too much alcohol on your eggnog, man. It's just, <laughs> we got to get you cut this guy off at the bar here. Um, Leicester just haven't been good uh, for a long time. You know, they, they're in that kind of epic battle with Liverpool for the Champions League spot. Um, but even their underlying numbers that season, like, weren't great. Um, and, you know, they they have some talent. Like, you look at the names, and there's Jamie Vardy, and there's James Madison, and there's Wilfred Ndidi, Casper uh, Schmeichel. You know, so they have good players, but like they just haven't been good. They've been a very mediocre team for a while. You know, part of that is their fullbacks and defenders have been a combination of hurt and not very good. Um, and I mean, City is a machine. Like this is this is the the thing you have to wrap your head around with City. Pep was pissed off that Grealish and Foden went out, so he just said, "Yeah, fuck you guys. Like you're meeting the A team, but you're not going to play." And then they just go out and trash teams without Phil Foden, who's one of the top five, probably young under 21 players in the world. And Jack Grealish, who was one of the best players in the premier league last year, like Pep can just not play those guys and they can still destroy teams. Like that's just like, it's, it's blowing my mind to think of that. Um, And so, you know, with the heater that they're on, it's just so hard to pick against them because, you know, again, unless they get a COVID outbreak that completely ravages their squad. Their squad depth is amazing. Like you don't play those two guys, but then they still can play Raheem Sterling, Rian Mars, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, like, okay, Gundogan. That's the the crazy depth this team has. They just overwhelm you. So I'm not only going to not take anything to do with Leicester at the spread. I'm going to pump that spread up. I'm going to take city at minus two and a half and plus plus one twenty. 
because I just feel like they're going to rip through it. And a big part of that is, you know, Casper Schmeichel has been a great goalkeeper for a number of years. He's basically allowed four and a half more goals than expected this year. And he's just getting up there in years. It's like, it's going to happen. He was going to hit a wall at some point. His performance is going to take a dip. And that is a bad combination going into city, a city team. that's going to just pummel you with shots. Yeah. All right. So I have Leicester by losing by less than two. You have Manchester city by winning by more than two. So you heard it here first folks, man city two, Leicester zero, just so we get both <laughs> middled. Uh, for my prop, I'm going to take total corners over 10 and a half. Um, I think both of us can be pretty happy with this number. I think it is going to be a little bit more open. You're obviously expecting goals to pour in from the Manchester City side. I don't expect Leicester to sit back. I expect them to do a little bit of attacking as well. And I think we're going to see the ball pumped into the middle quite a bit from the flanks. And we're going to see balls deflected and headed out on a regular basis. Or there's going to be you know shots from top of the box from Manchester City over and over again to catch a Leicester leg and then fly over uh, the touchline to give them a corner. So I, think, I, I do not think Brendan's going to sit back. I could be wrong. Uh, but I think it's a giant stage. He's going to try to make a statement. He's going to try to punch the bully in the mouth. He's probably going to get knocked out. I'm probably going to look foolish for my pick, but I'll make up for it by getting over 10 and a half corners at minus 122. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely a type of game where, like I said, um, City had 25 shots in their first matchup against Leicester this year. Um, they only won one nothing, but they obviously clearly outperform their expected goals uh, or underperform their expected goals. So, I mean, with a lot of shots, typically, like you said, there's chances for deflection, saves that get tipped over the bar. You know, corners is definitely a good place to stick some money in this week. You know, for me, though, I'm just going to keep riding the Raheem Sterling train. Um, he's quite clearly the best chance on City, right? If, uh, the City machine to score a goal is the best um, expected goals per 90. He's taken 11 shots in the last three Premier League matches. He's had three goals in all each of those areas. He had a goal in each of those mas- matches for three total and he averages a pretty insane uh, 0.19 XG per shot. That means that each shot that Sterling takes, he gets them in such good locations that they're a one in five chance of going in. That's pretty damn good. And so if you pump those shot numbers up where he gets four or five, you're looking at basically him almost guaranteeing himself a goal. Um, so I'm going to take plus 20, 125 because you got a little bit of an, uh, an edge and value there. Um, because the city team is going to score. They're going to take a lot of shots. So why not take the best goal scorer to score a goal? Yeah. It's hard to go broke on that strategy. Although I've tried. Uh, All right. So we've got three (laughs) more games to cover on boxing day. We'll be right back after this break. All right. We are back. And what better place to be back than Norwich who is bottom of the table sitting on 10 points, but they are hosting Arsenal this Boxing Day at 10 a.m. Arsenal sitting fourth at 32 points, and besides Manchester City, arguably the hottest team in the league. Uh, Norwich is plus 650. The draw is minus, or is plus 380. Arsenal is minus 240. Norwich with plus one and a half goals is minus 150. Arsenal is plus 130 on the spread. So I know you have a lot of Arsenal thoughts, so I'm going to clear out and let you have a go here in just a minute. Uh, Despite you somehow winning the last time Norwich was a plus uh, one and a half versus a big six team on our show, there's no way I'm backing them. And I'm the only one that has the magic to actually pick shitty teams to cover the spread. Apparently. Don't even try. 
I'm well. I already picked Lester, so Santa, I'm not Santa's try. not bringing you that gift for Christmas. I'm not trying it twice in one show. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so <laughs> I like Arsenal by two, um, by more to win by two or more, more than I like them to only win by one. Uh, and I'm getting plus money by taking the spread at plus one thirty minus the two forty for just the victory. So that's what I'm going to do. Arsenal uh, minus one and a half plus one thirty. Well, you and I are going to be boring because that's where I'm going to go the same thing. Um, I, I definitely think th- this Arsenal team is so weird, man. Like, I can't tell if they're good. Can't tell if they're okay. 538 has them as a 39% chance to qualify for the Champions League, which is the kind of best of the rest after the top three. Um, this um, A lot of betting markets have them even or have them fifth on points. So, like, I think they're sort of a top five or six team at this point, even though I had spent the first few podcasts saying that they're probably shitty and we shouldn't get caught up in the hype. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something weird going on here. A lot of it has coincided with like, yeah, Martinelli has started to play, um, but there are definitely like warning signs too. Um, so like, like your boy, Connor, who's uh, kind of out over his skis in front, front of his uh, expected goal. Mark his actual goal totals. <laughs> All right, Jim Jones, settle down. <laughs> um, so one of those things is uh, those things are happening in Arsenal too. So Martin Odegaard is outperforming his XG numbers. Emil Smith Rowe is one of the like biggest outperformers of his XG totals in the top five in the big five leagues in, in all of Europe. Um, so that's worrisome. That means that guys are finishing shots and Odegaard in, in particular has been scoring a lot of goals lately. And that's like not his shit. Like Odegaard's thing is mostly like advancing the ball, like, into the attacking third and sometimes into the box. You know, he usually is like a key pass guy, like a, a pass that unlocks the play that usually leads to the pass that leads to a, a good shot. Um, and all of a sudden he's scoring goals. It's been, you know, kind of out of the realm of like who he's been as a player. There's definitely like a possibility that he's evolved as a player and maybe he's going to start adding those things to, um, you know, what he does. But right now the numbers are saying that he's just running hot on finishing. So, I don't know. I think this team might be okay, but maybe not. I do know that Norwich is bad. (laughs) Um, That is the certainty. And, you know, it's not, you know, I like Dean Smith. You know, he he was at Brentford for a while. He had a really weird, like, defensive recovery phase last year at Villa where they were terrible. And then they came back from the pandemic break. And then all of a sudden they were, like, not allowing goals. Um, He, you know, he hired a sets piece specialist. Like, I think he's open to, like, good ideas in soccer. But even if he has good ideas and even if he might actually maybe somehow be an okay manager, like Norwich is just bad. Like they still rely on Timo Pukki for a huge part of their offense creation. And you're talking about a guy that's like 32, you know, played a ton of minutes for the Finnish national team. And he's just not that good anymore. And that's their best attacker. Um, so there's only so much you can do. Like, you you know, you can't turn chicken shit into chicken salad kind of thing. So I'm going to ride with Arsenal. They've just been so good lately. Martinelli's been great for him. Um, I think you just got to ride with them. Yeah. And for my prop, I'm straight up stealing from you because uh, I also just don't see where a Norwich goal is going to come from against our unofficial spokesmodel, Aaron Ramsdale. And well, we're getting a clean sheet back from you. And <gasps> dare I say on current form, Arsenal look like a good team. Honored. So, as Brett often says, I'm going to count on a good team to do a good thing <laughs> and Arsenal to win on a clean sheet at plus 170. <laughs> well, mine's going to be kind of in that vein. Um, I'm going to take a range to Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal wins at plus 175 with 1-0, 2-0, and 2-1 being the outcomes. 
Um, again, Arsenal are, you know, even if they end up being like an above average team, you know, finishing fifth, sixth, maybe making a run at the Champions League spot, they still play like snail ball within their attack. Arteta has them play a very slow pace. This isn't a city team that's like going to shoot. They're going to press you. They're going to win the ball back. They're going to shoot again. They're going to pummel you in the box. Arteta's teams play really slow. They pass a lot side to side. Um, so this isn't going to be a game that I think like gets out of hand. And Dean Smith is like organized Norwich enough since he's been there. They're not the sieve defensively that they were under Farca and just like giving up chances galore. Um, so I think that Arsenal is going to win. And if you kind of put a cap then at about two goals being their range, then that's a perfect bet. You know, you're getting a, a, a lot of leeway at plus 175. So I really like that one for this week. Yeah, that's a really clever way to do it. I mean, 1-0 or 2-0, both of us win our bets. Uh, you lose if Arsenal gets to three goals, and I lose if uh, Norwich gets one. So it's like what and we, we're getting the same odds. So if choosing between the two bets, it's an interesting conversation. Is Arsenal more yeah. likely to get three, or is Norwich more likely to get one? Um, I don't know. I might place both of them because I like what you did there quite a bit. <laughs> All right. So uh, Aston Villa, 10th, 22 points versus a little team called Chelsea, third in the table, 38 points. This is 1230 on Boxing Day. This is going to be a prime event with a lot of the other games already concluding by uh, the time this kicks off. Aston Villa is plus 475. The draw is plus 270. Chelsea is minus 145. Chelsea at a half a goal on the spread remains at minus 145. And Aston Villa moves up to plus 130 if you want to get them to either win or draw. All right. Uh, Just admitting it up front, this is a homer pick. It's Boxing Day. There's no way even the smallest piece of me will be in conflict while I enjoy this game. Uh, So (laughs) while Chelsea have fallen off the pace as the Premier League refused to suspend any of their games, even when they couldn't field a bench, uh, they also outrageously counted Saul as a Premier League player towards the roster minimums, even though there's a mound of evidence to the contrary. Uh, But Chelsea started to come through the other side of the injury crisis. Conte, Kova, Jorginho, they're all available for selection in the midfield coming into this weekend. Lukaku and Hudson-Odoi both had negative tests and returned to training. So I think both of them could come on as impact second-half substitutes. Uh, I don't know whether they'll nick a goal before the subs come on and because I'm less sure the front line hasn't been gelling at all. And I really love Pooley, but... Uh, he just hasn't been getting the link up play with the midfield and with the rest of the front line to get great attacks. And he's had one or two shots that he arguably should have done better with, but we're just not seeing a barrage of opportunity from that front line right now. But of course, increased control out of the midfield, better ball advancement out of the engine room has a, has a way of suddenly making attackers look great again. And when you have Conte and Kova and Jorginho instead of uh, Saul back there, I expect there to be a lot more opportunities for the front to shine. Uh, Aston Villa has done a great job under Stevie G of keeping it close against the big clubs. I think they probably will do so again, but I think it's Blues 1-0. So I'm taking the Blues to win at minus 145. Hey, Silo is a fucking legend, man. You keep your name out of it, his name out of your uh, your mouth. <laughs> smoking no, like an, he really, smoking like an he really Everton fan. Been. He was Everton's best player in that game. He really was. He's he's every team in the Premier League's best player if he's on the pitch right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Ch- Chelsea's interesting. And before we go into my pick, I'm going to hit you with a take that is you are not going to like. And so Ryan O'Hanlon, a friend of the pod, wrote a a piece for ESPN talking a little bit about this, but it was basically the Lukaku impact. And once he gets healthy, 
he is going to play, you know, maybe we see him start this game. Maybe he comes on in the second half. Maybe he comes on in the 60th minute. Um, but he is interesting in the way that Tuchel has set up this Chelsea team. So Timo Werner, your favorite finisher, uh, is in the 76th percentile of pressures for attacking players. Mason Mount is in the 88th percentile of pressures and attacking players. Hakeem Zayic is in the 78th percentile of attacking players. Rom is in the 6th percentile of attacking players and putting pressure on the, uh, on the opposing team when they have the ball. And a lot of what has made Tuchel's era great and why they were so outstanding when he came last year and kind of tailed off a little bit when they're integrating Rom this year, I think is the fact that a big thing that we have trouble seeing and trouble valuing is that when Rom plays, they lose that pressure from the front. And it's not so much about like even shot suppression with the pressing. Pressing leads to turnovers, which leads to really good chances. So even though Rom is an incredible player and on pure skill is better than a lot of Chelsea's, is the best Chelsea attacker, in the system, in the way that they set up, sometimes you can just get better chances just simply by pressing your opponents and getting them to make that wayward back pass, that square pass that, you know, they don't see the defender cutting in and cutting off or tapping away. Um, those things are important and they don't get that when Rom's on the pitch. And I think it kind of jams their gears up because it, he doesn't bring this like amazing offensive attacking value. Um, it's a, it's a really noisy stat, but his, um, expected goal total for Chelsea's expected goal totals for 90 minutes. When Ram is on the pitch, he's the lowest rated Chelsea attacker so far. Again, super noisy. Like the, the, you know, a lot of it, the data is so small. The data sets are so small. It's like, when was Ram on the pitch? Who was he playing? You know, like compared to when Zayic and Mount were beating up on fucking Malmo, like in Ram is playing Liverpool. Like those are, those are, that's going to factor into those numbers a little bit, but it is a little bit telling. And it kind of leads to the theory that maybe like Ram isn't going to be this super huge upgrade that takes Chelsea up a notch, that there is going to be a little bit of a, a tricky fit. And so if he plays this match, I don't think it's going to be this like huge boost. Like, yeah, we got Ron back from, you know, COVID protocols. Like we're going to fucking start rolling again. Um, and Villa has been pretty good. Like they, they've been really good defensively, even without having any possession, you know, Stevie G's got them playing this like defensive counterattacking four, three, three. Um, they were okay. 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 And then away at Norwich, they absolutely blew the doors off them. Um, I think this is going to be a really ugly, muddy match. You know, Chelsea's trying to reintegrate these guys back into the side. You know, Villa's been playing well and they've been playing really defensive and Chelsea already has kind of had that problem of scoring goals. Um, so that draw at plus 285 is kind of where I stick my money. I definitely think that there's a more than two to one chance uh, that this game is going to be a draw, um, whether it's 0-0 or 1-1, but it's going to be close. It's going to be in that range where you could get lucky, and this is where that COVID luck could come in, and Villa nicks the penalty where they you know, get the handball in the box, You know, some deflected shot goes in. Whatever it is, I definitely think this is going to be a more even game than maybe the the numbers suggest. Yeah, look, I want to keep this podcast under two hours, so I'm not going to spend all my time uh, repeating <laughs> what you just said about Lukaku because there actually is some truth in it. And, and Ryan's one of the best writers in the business, and you're not so bad yourself. So I understand the argument. I would say that the recent slip in form from Chelsea hasn't been because of Lukaku's Saul presence. Was yeah, it hasn't been his presence or absence. It's been more the presence of Saul and like an uncharacteristic um, kind of run of giving up late goals and equalizers and games that they should have won. Like Tuchel, when he, he took us to European glory, like once it was 1-0, you felt like it was over because it was going to be a clean sheet. 
And like once you had a lead, it felt always secure. And just watching them give up equalizers time after time after time uh, in their recent kind of slump in form uh, is jarring. Now, when I watch that, I'm not sophisticated enough to say that's because Rom's either not or not playing. It just seems like there's been a switch off in concentration or there's been inferior players that aren't used to the same level of organization on the pitch. All that said, uh, the reason Rom, I think, remains a I don't know. If, I don't know if he's worth his money, but it's not my money. And why I don't like freak <laughs> out at some of the statistics that you guys throw out is you need different looks. Like you need somebody who can who can serve as a backboard against a low block, hit a cutter that you know is running off his shoulder, and nick a goal against a well organized, really defensive uh, team that's playing so many guys behind the ball. And he does that. How many balls are are the uh, Reese James whipping across the face of goal and then whipping into the air that aren't finding Pooley or Werner because they're you know that's not their game. And so, like, it's almost like a wasted form of attack to throw these beautiful crosses in time and time well, again. The one, the, one thing, the one thing is, too, actually kind of going off that point is Ron gives him, um, and this is maybe going into the weeds a little bit, but some tactical flexibility, right? Like, yes. in a front three, I'm not sure that Rom is is going to be that great for him. But they also rolled out like a 5-3-2 when they were playing some of the really good teams so they can jam the midfield with an extra midfielder, put Kovacic, Conte, Jorginho in there. And then Rom can play as part of a two up top, which I think when you were saying like that's a different look, like that's a great look. And that'll be that'll be really important. And we'll probably bring it up when we talk about like when they play Liverpool in the return fixture, when they play Manchester City in the return fixture. If we end up getting the Champions League stuff and they get really deep in, in like a semifinal match. That's really interesting. And I think that's a really good point that you brought up is like, it's not necessarily like this zero something like Ron makes it better or worse. It's he's different right yes. now. And I guess we, we don't know exactly the best way to utilize. Yeah. You talked about player sliders last week on our video. Like mm-hmm. you, you're going to have a different style of play and different outcomes. If you have Havers leading the line versus uh, Timo versus Rom. And I think the ability to be flexible is actually my biggest gripe with Chelsea right now. Like Tommy tactics is renowned for playing all sorts of different systems and maximizing uh, his edge over his opponents, but he's fallen so hard into the three, four, three, because it, re- it uh, yielded such great results for him that maybe there are uh, occasions that the personnel or the game flow calls are switching it up. And he seems to be sticking with the three, four, three, no matter what. So he's a genius he knows you know, a billion times more than I'll ever know. And I just like to see him use that genius when we're looking a little bit flat to avoid giving up these late goals like we have over and over again. Just try something new. But anyway, I said I wanted to keep it under two hours. That was your fault. Uh, I'm not the one who <laughs> elongated the Chelsea talk, so I just wanted on the record that that one was on I you. Will, I will take full responsibility. This was not a Homer thing. I definitely – and I was baiting. I will agree. I was baiting. <laughs> uh, so for my player prop, uh, or for my prop, I, I am going to take a player, presuming that he starts. Uh, I like Reese James, shot on target, plus 135. The focal point is not going to be through the middle, I think. It's going to continue to be pushed out wide in these games, which gives James tons of chances to put the ball in the frame, either uh, diving in from, from a position of width, or he's actually excellent at taking a switch ball where the ball's crossed from the other uh, flank. And it kind of comes all the way across the box, and then he gets on it and hits it from the uh, from the opposite end of the of the top corner of the box. I've seen him do that time and time again. I think he's also going to take set pieces for them, and uh, I think that increases his odds even more as he loves to go for goals when there's fouls on the outer edge of the box. Uh, so I really just like the number here, a plus one thirty five, as they're going to need goals from all over as they try to sort out the center of attack, and he's always looking to provide them. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good pick, especially with the way that they've been kind of utilizing their wing backs lately too. Um, but for me, man, I, I mean, as you probably are sensing in this trend, I like to, I like to ride a horse that doesn't buck me. Um, <laughs> last week I could have bought a fucking house if I would have put some money on the under 0.5 goals between Wolves and Chelsea at like plus 800. 850. We're another plus, plus 875 under 0.5 goals for the match. I got to hit it again. Um, I, I definitely think 0 0 is a big part of this range. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's such good money. I, I you know, if you play this game a hundred times, I, I really do think that there's a good chance that at least probably 25, 30 of them um, end up where it's that scoreless draw. Um, And, you know, we just went through the whole theory of Bill has been better defensively. I, you know, I'd love to talk to somebody about this, but I also think that markets have sometimes struggled to catch up super quickly from game match to match. Um, And I don't think they've really adjusted to the fact that Bill has been better. Chelsea has been just not great in attack. Um, So I'm going to take that under 0.5 at plus 875 and, this time, maybe I'll actually bet it and win a lot of money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wish you had bet last week. Although, I'm glad you didn't because you definitely would have told me to F off. I could have uh, you would have just gotten text messages of just with hundreds just <laughs> lined up on my table. Yeah, no, I, I was going to cover it when um, when we got to the, the pickoff. But like, if you had actually bet your picks last week, you might own Burnley now. <laughs> I, the first thing I do is fire Sean Dyche. <laughs> All right, so we're running a little bit long, so let's just get to our last game pretty quick. It's not actually on Boxing Day. It's going to be Monday at 3 p.m. Uh, it's Newcastle, 19th in the table, 10 points. Man United, 6th in the table, 27 points. Newcastle's plus 600. The draw is plus 350. Manchester United is plus, or I'm sorry, is minus 210. On the spread, a goal and a half in, to Manchester United. Uh, is plus 130, and Newcastle is a minus 150. So I expect this to be a fairly nasty affair. Uh, Newcastle shown very little evidence they could keep up with any of the big clubs, however, losing by a combined score of 12 to 1 to the teams that are currently sitting in the top four of the table so far this year. Uh, but I got to say, I don't have a lot of confidence in Manchester United's finishing at the moment. And who knows who will be playing? I mean, we haven't seen them since December 11th, and uh, people are disappearing left and right. So I think Newcastle is going to give them a ton of the ball. I trust Manchester United to do something with it at least once. So I'm going to take it at minus 210 to win, but I am not willing to go farther than that and take that spread. Yeah, I mean, I I just have no faith in Newcastle anymore. Um, so for me, the bet is just going to be United minus 1.5. I just... I, I Newcastle's gotten blown, the doors blown off them. And the thing is, and I guess this is the the, the one... Thing I'll say um, so people don't have to listen to us talk for hours and hours over their Christmas. Um, but anyhow, was brought in because when he, when he was at Bournemouth, you know, he had this low end of the table team that played this kind of slick possession based kind of style with like quick transitions and they tried to hold the ball. You know, they weren't playing like Dice's Burnley where they just packed it in and tried to counter. Um, but the thing is, is that possession is a, is a uh, um, double edged sword, right? So you have to have guys in your team that can hold on to the ball and then you also have to have guys that can win it back. And I guess you could maybe argue that Newcastle has the former, but they don't have anybody that, that does the latter. So Joe Willick leads the team and tackles one with 23 for reference point. Christian Norgard from Brentford leads the big five, all European leagues with 46. So like that's their best ball winner. And he is miles behind the best ball winner in Europe. 
Um, and that's part of the reason why I just think they're going to struggle uh, continuing throughout the season is you can't play that kind of possession style and jam a bunch of attackers on the pitch. If you don't have somebody that can actually win the ball back and then yeah. let you control a little bit of the game. Yeah. So I just think that, you know, with under Ragnick, we're going to see United get better and better. Newcastle just hasn't shown anything. So for me, it's just taking the spread all day long. All right. Uh, for my prop, because I do think it is going to be a bit of a nasty game and Newcastle is a bit of a nasty team. Uh, I'm taking them over two and a half cards at plus 182. I absolutely love the number here. They had three against Liverpool. They had three against Leicester. They had three against Arsenal. The only reason they didn't have three against Man City is they couldn't get close enough to grab them or hack them down. Uh, So getting them at almost two to one to get three cards against Man United and all their kind of skilled players who like to dance with the ball a little bit and and run it, guys. uh, It's almost fishy. But I'm taking the bait and I'm grabbing it. I mean, John, John Joe Shelby is matured in, in a little bit in his older age, but he's always a wild card for something crazy to happen. He's you, mature- might get, you might get two straight yellows from him pushing guys around just out of him alone. Exactly. He's matured to one yellow instead of a straight red. He's really gotten better <laughs> with age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my prop's going to be a little bit different. Um, again, just going against my lack of faith in Newcastle. I'm going to take the clean sheet win. Plus 155. I haven't done it for any other team this week. I guess I kind of have to because it's my trademark. And, you know, you showed the, you know, sincerest form of flattery by imitating me. Um, so I'm going to do it on my own. Plus 155, clean sheet win for United. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our Boxing Day picks. Let's wrap it up with the five pint pickoff and then get you off to your holidays. Uh, I'm shocked Brett even showed up this week after the bets he made last week. That was kind of a walk-off. I don't know if I would have came back if I'd hit a... The George George Costanza leave on a high note. He gave out three picks. It was a plus 150, plus 190, and a plus 850. It hit them all. I mean, way to go, buddy. I just have to tip my cap to such greatness. Uh, It makes him basically uncatchable in the five-pint pickoff because he's now up 19 units for December now, but we're going to play out the string anyway. Uh, (laughs) It is worth noting that collectively we've still been profitable every single week we've been doing this. So it's not just a one week wonder. Uh, For this week, I am going to go with the following picks. Arsenal to win with a clean sheet, plus 170, betting one pint. Uh, As long as Reese James starts, one shot on target at plus 135. I think that's a fair caveat in these times of COVID. Uh, If he doesn't start, I'll change that to just Chelsea at minus 145 to win. Uh, That's going to be one pint. Connor Gallagher, our Lord and Savior, one shot on target. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, minus 115 for one pint. And then Newcastle over two and a half cards, plus 182 for one unit. And then because I am desperate and I have to catch him, I am parlaying <laughs> all four yes. of those picks together. All four yes. of those picks together for one yes. unit at plus yes. 3,245. Yes. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance too, because I'm not going to just play it safe and maybe try to like, you know, tick up and, you know, chip up a little bit. I'm going to, I'm just going to try to destroy you this month. So I'm going to put two units on under 0.5 goals in Chelsea Villa at plus 875. So if that hits, you're just going to be so far behind me on my fucking rear view mirror, you're going to look like an ant. Oh my gosh. Um, That's what are real nice rear view mirrors on your new like Tessera, like your Porsche, Maserati, whatever the hell you want to buy. I don't know what a guy with a backwards hat buys in Arizona. (laughs) Jesus. Now you're lumping me in with all those guys. (laughs) Shit. I'm going to stop wearing hats on the podcast. <laughs> For two more pints, I'm going to take that Arsenal range of wins of 1-0, 2-0, and 2-1 at plus 175. And then, you know, 
I got to, I got to say it. I just got to say it. I'm going to bet on a good team to do a good thing. And I'm going to take city to fucking smash Lester minus two and a half to plus one twenty for my final one. All right. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, bearing with us last week as all of us try to get through this chaos together of games getting canceled and people being out um, this holiday season. Obviously, there's more important things than betting on soccer. And we hope that you have a wonderful holiday season with your loved ones and uh, you enjoy both Christmas and Boxing Day. And by the way, Boxing Day is one of the great reasons to become a soccer fan because it actually makes it a two day holiday. Uh, so you like Boxing Day is almost as good as Christmas when you're a soccer fan. And to some people, it's even better. Uh, so add it to the pile of reasons to become a, a diehard like us, because doubling that that Christmas joy is is a real thing. Um, we are going to hit our own circuit breaker last week. It's not that we're not or next week. It's not that we're not going to have a pod. We're actually going to do something a little bit different while the Premier League sorts out uh, what it's doing. We really wanted to talk about Boxing Day, so we didn't do it this week. But over the next two weeks, we will be giving the five pint pickoff. But instead of giving game by game analysis, we are going to do something super fun. We are going to do a guide to selecting your Premier League team in the new year. So next week, we're going to do uh, kind of teams 7 through 20. And then the week after, we're going to spend some real time picking through the top six teams. After that, we're going to start having some of the other personalities from the Extra Points Podcast Network on. And they're going to select a team. And we hope you'll do the, you'll do the same at home. So in the meantime... We wish you the Merry Christmas. Hope you enjoy Boxing Day. Thank you so much for the support as we've got this show off the ground. It means a lot to Brett and I. And um, I hope everything that you want is under your tree, unless it's an Aston Villa victory. (laughs) Happy holidays, everybody, and stay safe.